one. Sheila's question will be the question of the day. Should I do anything else? That's the practice question. And so we'll start with uh, our sitting, of course. So please join me.
I'd like for us to invoke <clears throat> a different uh, chant today to begin and also to end. I'll share it with you. And it's one that we uh, do in our ordinary services, of course. We'll start with um, the refuges. <clears throat> I take refuge in Buddha. I take refuge in Dharma. I take refuge in Sangha. We take refuge in Buddha, immersing body and mind deeply in the way, awakening true mind. We take refuge in Dharma, entering deeply the merciful ocean of Buddha's way. We take refuge in Sangha, bringing harmony to everyone, free from hindrance. Now all being has completely taken refuge in Buddha. Now all being has completely taken refuge in Dharma. Now all being has completely taken refuge in Sangha. And my en entire um, uh, brief reflection today is not simply about the refuges, um, but it is about always returning. And the question, um, in some ways, seriously, as Sheila said, what, what do I, is there something else I need to do here? Or what do I do next? <clears throat> We've just completed um, essentially a three-month cycle, um, which I began um, back in August, thinking it would be a few weeks of um, reflecting on my teachers who were help shape and form me and that I was blessed to have for, for many years. As I approach the final uh, ceremonial weeks in the Dharma transmission process, and then of course, like everything else, all that was uh, upset and changed and turned over. And so we continued to return week after week and along with teachers of the past, I invited teachers of the present and those new and emerging teachers for the future to come forward. And weaving our, our teachings and our time together over a, a full three month period. Curiously, it's about the length of time of a, pract a formal practice period in a monastery, about 100 days. And um, Peg, uh, so generously and graciously um, was sort of the the final voice in that particular segment of time together in these last few months, last week. <clears throat> and during this time, life has continued and things have happened which have been uh, joyful and things that happened that have been very difficult. We've had some significant losses and challenges 
in the Apamata Sangha and the larger family. Another recent tender loss in the Open Door Sangha in Madison. So with the, the loss, um, heartache, uh, changes, uh, un just uncertainty that we were facing in our world today. We, we have this invitation to return to practice, to, to take refuge, to um, the root of that word, to fly home. Um, this courageous willingness to come back to the cushion, so to speak, even if, even if you don't sit on a cushion. But when we return, at least when I return, I'll speak for myself, I'm almost always met quite frequently, especially in the face of these kinds of challenges, with the same questions. And it's it's really kind of embarrassing in a way. The, the question is like, now, what are we doing? Uh, why do we do this? Does this help anybody? You know, those basic, fundamental questions. I've told the story before, but I'll, I'll repeat it with, um, it with the kind of question I asked Blanche early on in my training with her. And I had wanted to go to San Francisco Zen Center uh, all the time, you know, to, to practice. And, uh, but I lived in Austin and had my home life and my work life and things which didn't allow me to um, just go and be a resident in a temple somewhere and train. So I, I went uh, a week at a time, two weeks at a time, sometimes three, uh, rarely. But the first one day sitting, that was part of a time when I was a student as a, as a guest, I asked to see Blanche and practice discussion for Dokusan. When I went to see her, I said, you know, every there's not a day that goes by in Austin that I don't think about being here at this temple practicing of a, a deep longing. And now here I am, and I'm sitting down in the Zendo and in the place where all these well-known teachers sat and for all these years. And all I can think of is like, you know, what, what am I doing? All, all my fantasies went away and all the Sort of romantic longings died down, and there I am sitting with myself facing the wall. And she kind of laughed and she said, well, if you're not asking yourself that question, you're probably not paying attention well enough. She said, so go back and ask yourself, you know, what am I doing sitting in this zendo? What am I doing in this practice? And she stopped and she kind of looked down. Then she looked up right in my eyes and she said, what am I doing in this life? And then rang the bell and and I left. <clears throat> so I thought today, if we go back to very simple fundamentals in a way, the Buddha's teachings on the three marks of existence, but I want to talk about them just briefly to in encourage you to reflect and, and come forward in a way that isn't like some argument or, or some complex teachings about, now this is why we do this, and this is what this is about. Classically, the three marks are um, dukkha, anicca, and anatta. That doesn't help much, does it? Okay. 
Uh, dukkha is the one where we often hear translated as suffering. That's one essential aspect of being alive. Uh, anicca means impermanence. Uh, and anatta, no self. But once again, those are a little abstract. Um, dukkha, a suffering, that life as it is seems somehow to be dissatisfactory. They're like, is this really it? And anicca, the impermanence, we all know everything changes, that nothing stays the same, but to really appreciate it. It's not like things are a certain way and then they change. Change is what's happening all the time. There aren't steady states. And then three, anatta, no self, doesn't mean that there's nobody here. It means the way we think about ourselves as separate, as individual, isn't actually the truth because everything is interdependent, which is actually not exactly the truth because interdependent would mean they're independent things that relate to each other. Is it more profound that everything comes together? Everything comes together. There's mutual causality. Everything is arising as one thing. But once again, these are still a little complex and sometimes abstract, even though you can get them. Life has some trouble in it and everything is changing and everything relates to everything else. But if you think about it, maybe on an embodiment level, uh, focusing on the immediacy of, of your body, then maybe we would say it this way. Life is wonderful and life is painful. Now that's what the teachings of Dukkha are suggesting. Life is wonderful and life is painful. As long as we are in these bodies. Two, everything keeps changing all the time as long as we are in these bodies, including these bodies. And number three, taking things personally is painful. as long as we are in these bodies. So this is another way of speaking about these three essential things the Buddha taught. Life is both wonderful and painful. It's everything that it is. Everything keeps changing all the time. Life happens. And when we center down on this individual self and take life personally, all the change, all the ups and downs, it's, it's quite painful. But all of these are embodied experiences. Uh, Carolyn Atkinson, who was one of Covencino's students, in her reflection on his teachings called A Light in the Mind, uh, she wrote, and it's just one sentence here, she said, so here's the basic perspective. There's one thing to know. Life is made up of experiences both good and bad. And it simply is what it is. There's one thing to learn. It will keep changing. And there's one thing to do. Don't take anything personally or get too upset about life. So 
So this is the sort of feeling of these basic questions about now what, what are we doing and why do we do this and how can it could it helpful uh, two more little sort of systems that two other teachers have offered which i've sometimes used uh, sherry huber some of you use uh, her work in the precepts program and also read some of her uh, classic little books that look almost handwritten and her three keys to freedom from suffering she says there are three keys pay attention to everything don't believe in anything and don't take anything personally. It's somewhat similar. Pay attention to everything. That's a beginner's mind. Be curious. This is the practice of paying attention, of waking up and paying attention. Believing in nothing, it doesn't, it means just don't center down on certainty. There are many things to discover and explore. Center down in any kind of fundamentalist way and, and say, okay, then this is it because it cuts you off from the things you turn away from. And three, don't take anything personally. Um, learn to retreat in advance from every position you take and from everything that comes at you. Learn the dance of, of life. The, oh, is that so? Hmm. Let's, let's see, because if we center down on a self and we believe in it and we're not paying attention, then we have something to defend and we think there are those things we have to defend against and it gets more difficult. Once again, just playing with these, I'm just going to keep offering these. Anjali's Aryan, who's a wonderful uh, anthropologist and sociologist, in her teachings of the fourfold way, which many of you are familiar with, uh, her um, four uh, suggestions were in life, show up, pay attention, tell the truth, and don't be attached to the outcome. This is, she said these were universal things in many spiritual um, or and shamanistic systems she um, researched worldwide as an anthropologist. Show up, make a choice to be present. What are we doing? We're choosing to be present. Pay attention. To pay attention to what has heart, what has meaning. Tell the truth. Without blame or judgment or rationalization. Maybe know the truth, express the truth, live the truth. And lastly, don't be attached to the outcome. Instead, be open to outcomes. Instead of attached to one outcome, the one that you want, so life will go your way. So these are things that, you know, various teachers have offered in this regard, trying to answer this question, like, what are we doing? Um, is, is there something else I should do? <laughs> and does this help anything? When we open in this way, in these ways, we begin to allow life energy to flow through. It's like taking a deep breath. It's like allowing energy to flow through. Because in our practice, there isn't some waiting. Like, 
we're waiting for enlightenment to come or some else something to happen and there's it's a kind of a passivity a stepping back by non-doing as if it will be done somehow magically through practice it's all here now but there's also not some sort of strive we're not suggesting that we engage in this striving that's a kind of a passivity by busyness it's not actually engaging embodied life because we're just we're busy we'll try 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 and never realize what's here so we can wait we can strive but both of them are a kind of a non-engagement but showing up for what is unfolding moment after moment impermanent interdependent and a willingness to continue to meet what is here even if it's unsatisfactory and to find our best response is what our practice is about and practice does not make us into special people better people with special powers although there are many teachers and many students who would like to play that game the sort of student guru game and, and i mean that in the in a distorted sense not in the wholesome sense that if you practice you become special good better elevated spiritual something and that you'll have certain powers that other people don't have and that's not what our practice offers and practice is also not some sort of spiritual uh, how-to manual for solving life's problems if you just practice really well and become a great buddhist student or zen student or whatever then you'll know how to fill in the blank whatever your challenges are although most of us come to practice with some version of this kind of longing we would like to be a better person we'd like to know what to do those are sort of the genesis of the questions i was asking so what is it that we're actually practicing well based on what we've been talking about is being present without leaning too much into life to try to steer it our way but also not leaning away from life trying to avoid what we don't like we practice finding the the center ish <laughs> the kind of center uh, around which we orbit it reminds me of uh, studying in organic chemistry when i realized oh the little electrons aren't things they're clouds but there's a center they're probability areas and uh, the buddha called it the middle way it's a way not a place so what we're practicing is being present and if it's embodied when we sit we're not leaning too much into life we're hoping something's going to come or, or leaning back away from life to avoid it collapsing trying to find the center but i say ish because it isn't isn't strict it's the way of of maintaining the middle and coming back taking refuge 
And when we engage our fundamental practices of sitting, zazen, walking, kinhin, um, relating to each other as, as sangha, these are ways of practicing meeting each moment with a body intimately, just as it is. These aren't ways, um, they're not activities that we're going to perfect to become a really great Zen student. That's, that doesn't matter. So a sitting, for example, we maintain, maintain um, an upright sitting posture in Zazen, which actually expresses no gaining idea, what Suzuki Roshi called it. We're not trying for anything. We're sitting upright with some dignity and nobility, not going anywhere, not doing anything, just sitting, breathing, appreciating being alive, like this. That may not seem like very much until you offer yourself fully to do it with others, sitting period after sitting period. And you realize that it's so much easier to hide and it's easier to keep busy. And it's a radical and powerful thing to sit fully present, upright, without resorting to one of your strategies and just breathing and appreciating the life that you're living and that's being lived through you. So we sit upright. We also sit silently. And we sit silently, I think, to listen really deeply to the current of life energy, breath after breath, sensation after sensation, and thought after thought, feeling after feeling in this body. And as we do, we're constantly taught and reminded that, oh, this is a changing, flowing life. Everything's always changing. So it we begin to soften our identification with any one passing thought or feeling or sensation. So to sit upright, to, to begin to soften our activity, to sit silently, to listen deeply to the current of life energy. When we do walking meditation or kinhin, we walk together just simply to remember that we are walking together, walking through life, always toward the same destination. And in the Zendo, in a formal setting, we walk in kind of a circular or repetitive pattern. We're not trying to get somewhere. What we're paying attention to isn't some goal in the future that we're headed for. What we're paying attention to is our relationship with the people around us maintaining some distances, not so we can be good at Kenyan, but because that's our training, to pay attention to others as we walk, and to accord with them, to be sensitive to them, and to support them. And along the way, we meet everything together. And it seems to go better when we let go of self-centered attempts to control and we become more sensitive to our neighbors. 
And when we do that, we're better able to see what's actually, uh, what requires our attention in the moment. So we sit upright, we sit silently, we walk together. And then in inquiry, or sometimes in studying, uh, it just helps us remember all of this. <laughs> because we forget. I remember Norman Fisher saying one time, practice is not hard to do. What's hard is to remember to do it. And we forget. And even when we do wake up, whatever we wake up to, that's also impermanent. It, what we wake up to or the way we are when we have some moment of, of clarity isn't a permanent state. It's always moving, always rolling. And the self we think we're perfecting or purifying through practice, that self we think like that is a construction. And it's dependent on everything swirling around us. So it's not ultimately worthy of our faith. The dissatisfaction that we feel is life. The dissatisfaction and the satisfaction and the pain and the joy is life. This is not an error that practice fixes. This isn't being off the path and when you get on it, then it's all good. It's all light. Basically, the sort of dissatisfaction, the little off balance, the that is life. And these shared practices shifts our perspective. So we can move in accord with life energy. And maybe do so with just a, a little more grace and a little more balance, a little more kindness, and maybe a little more patience. Maybe just a little more generosity and compassion, and a lot more capacity for joy in these bodies, in the face of everything. So basically, practice doesn't add anything. It doesn't give us anything. It strips us down, gently laying bare the living reality of each moment, just as it is. And then it offers us the opportunity to join in that flow of the mystery and the magnificence and the difficulty of life energy, just as it is. And all of those teachers that came before me show me this, and all the teachers that I've helped train and continue to be with, this is our work. We say at the end of the Jukai ceremony, we live like a cloud in an endless sky, like a lotus in muddy water, one with the pure mind of Buddha. You know, we live in this vast interdependent flow of life energy. And we do so in a, in a body, which is the mud of the lotus, in this uh, impermanent struggling thing. But all that is one thing. It's not two. And that's the mind and heart of awakening.
And so what is our practice? Dogen tells us to let our heart go out and abide among things. And let our things return and abide in our heart. So what, what are we doing? Why do we do this? And does this help anybody? Maybe you have some ideas and some thoughts, maybe some um, concerns, uh, some questions, some irritations, some confrontations about all this. It's like, seriously? So, please raise your hand and uh, let's uh, bring forward whatever you'd like to bring forward. Needed. There you go. Are we okay now? Yeah. Um, I, I just, you, you resonated so much with me today when you talked about busyness, because, um, you know, like you said, it's easy to hide out or keep busy. And that seems to be our whole American way of being is the busyness. You know, in other words. One of my favorite strategies, unfortunately, is why this practice is a good one for me. Exactly, because I was on Sunday, I had this huge amount of energy and I, you know, cooked all these things and did, I mean, I did just like a million things. I mean, I did my sitting and all that too, but at the, at the end of the day, it was just like I was on a, I thought, why did I do this? You know, and I thought, well, because I can for one, because I could, you know, and it was, they were all good things, but it just sort of, it was just like I had laid down a gauntlet or something to just like knock myself out. <laughs> well, remember, remember the practice turn that I often repeat because uh, it's really useful. It's not simply what you're doing, it's who's doing it. You might do all of those things in, in very generous and joyful uh, from a, a place of, of, of great joy, and it may be quite wholesome. Or you might do it as a way to hide and cover and push yourself and think you're not good at, you know, many things. I'm no good unless I, then that's a different, the activity is the same. That's not the issue. It's who's doing it. What's propelling the activity. And that's what's to pay attention to. Well, that's true because everything I, I did, you know, made things and gave things to people and you know did all of these things i mean it was a but i also thought in other words there's a it's sort of like you know we talk about systemic ways of thinking and things mm -hmm. so that's like it's it's just systemic in who i am and from my cultural background and everything you know to just instead of just contemplating all day or reading or whatever i felt like i, I just wanted to do all these things and, and well, I, you could, I, I you could do contemplation comment. you could do contemplation and reading all day and do it from exactly the same place of hiding it doesn't have to do about spiritual practice or other kind of things it's what's the focus is this bring you more into the present does this bring joy does this bring generosity does it help you immerse yourself in um, the flow of life energy, or does it cordon you off? So you're asking a great question. I'm glad you're bringing it up and uh, making some important comments. I remember talking to John Gladfelter about this one time, and he said, yeah, we live in a culture that escalates excitement over intimacy. 
Very keep, good. keep it busy. Keep going. You know, instead of meeting what's in front of us, doesn't mean you have to be slow or quiet. Our practice offers us that because it's such a shock to our habitual system, what you're calling endemic, you know, just and so thank you for bringing this forward and enjoy your food. <laughs> it is really good. <laughs> That's right. Now we have Sandra. Sandra? Did you see your t-shirt? Los Poblanos. Oh. <laughs> I see this. No, um, thank you so much for bringing all this forward. Um, one of the things that you made me is everything resonated. And the one of the things I start uh, when you practice this awareness is a little more, more present for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I, one thing I wanted to share is, you know, I'm just start feeling more aware about how do we treat everything, even though when you, car when you go to the grocery store and you grab a, a mango, mm -hmm. where is that coming from? All the hands that were involved in that. How is that? So when I go to the store, I see all this, the current things like just like something else, it's, it's painful for me. It's, I notice part of my, in my body is suffering, you know, that something is on the floor, nobody pick it up and just walking and this busyness. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I'm noticing, like, you know, I live in temporary with a friends a day, they have a lot of money, and they're very kind, very sweet, and very good people. And, and, I, and I noticed this is the lack of awareness mm -hmm. that you, you don't do intentionally, but it's no. this overuse of the resource because you have them, you know, you waste the water. Or it's the kind paper. of an automatic, I think, an entitlement. Like if you walk up to the, the mangoes in, in the store, you think that's mine. I can have it, so I put it. And suddenly you've pulled it into this idea of a self mm -hmm. instead of appreciating the mango or even where it might have come from, who might have picked it. Yes, and that that word entitlement, that's the one that was that word came to me. Yeah. Because you know, I was just dealing, should I say something? I said, No, I cannot, you know. I, do you know you're aware that all the waste of paper that you do, all this, the water just from it, you know, things like, I know they're very simple, but for some reason, for me, immediately, my body just can feel that, and I just feel that suffering, yeah. noticing what is happening with the earth, everything, mm -hmm. and at the same time, I realized with myself, I said, okay, there's nothing I can do, I cannot say do this, do that, it's just accept that and they will see it, I don't know. In the meantime, everything, you know. <laughs> but as, as you um, attempt to stay awake and aware, and as you treat each thing um, as if it's sacred or, you know, without mm -hmm. sense of entitlement, people sometimes notice. It may not be a big revelation, but there's something that they notice. That's one of the lovely things about living in a rural area where we do um, 
where my uh, my neighbor just texted me last night do you want some apple bananas because she has some on her tree and so i'd say yeah and then we have some tangerines you can and so we're sharing it's very different mm -hmm. these things you know where we're a little closer to the actual thing so it helps but sometimes we don't have that and it but it is important to stay awake to appreciate what life is offering us and how we can offer ourselves back to life yes 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 and what you're saying is um i know where is that coming from in me the the way you know with my indigenous roots and the way i grew up and all that yeah. i'm very aware of that and now i'm more aware uh, feeling that mm -hmm. But I think the next is that you're saying, I appreciate that, is help me to accept what they are doing, just to live it like that. Now that's part of the suffering that we witness, not out yeah. of judgment. Um, just, and you continue to meet life in, in your way. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing we can do. Yes, and they may, they might ask, you know, you, tr you treat these things so differently. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it helps me feel better when I do. I and then we treat each other, we treat each other more kindly as a result. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for bringing this, this to us, because this is a, an important edge that's easy to miss. Mm -hmm. It's like how to practice in the grocery store too. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Sandra. Uh, Rosemary. Hi, Sent. Um, so I had a situation this morning that um, I think applies to some of what you were saying and also the question that Sheila said, which is there anything else I need to do? And um, by the end of the morning, my answer was no in relation to this particular situation. I'll try and make it short. Uh, a few weeks ago, a woman um, drove, um, she knocked my side view mirror off uh -huh. and um, and um, bottom line is she's been very evasive and I don't think I'm going to get paid for it. Mm -hmm. And the conversations that we've had, uh, I feel like saying she's an older woman, but so am I. So what can we say about that? <laughs> she's seemed a little fragile, you know, um, and, um, you know, so all of our conversations is, you know, can I call you back? I, and yesterday, I'm really not well. And, um, you know, I found myself, you know, through the conversations with her, really trying to kind of take care of her. And um, uh, it wasn't helping my cause at all. But, um, and she was kept being appreciative and blah, blah. And so um, yesterday, you know, I said, well, you know, she's throwing up. Uh, you need to go to the doctor. I don't have the money. Will you? You know, I was really, and by this morning, I was about to take her myself. And I had to rethink all of this. And, um, and it was very painful. I was really, really upset about myself, uh, how I dealt with it. And I realized that um, her um, 
not being able to kind of take care of herself. This was my mother and um, I, I, you know, and a lot of anxiety about not being able to take care of herself. And so I did, I took care of her, you know, and those things prevented her from taking care of me. So I did, so that whole thing kicked in. And um, so uh, I sat and I did, it's funny you brought the refuges up because they helped so much this morning. How so? Uh, because I realized um, that um, I could keep trying to take care of people. And this is it's funny because my Zen persona was coming into it too. You know, I want to be kind. I want to be compassionate. And I realized that compassion and responsibility for me just blend con confused right together. And that's a practice edge you know i don't think it sounds like you were, yeah you were, yeah and i didn't realize you were compassionate you were generous you did help and then you realize there's a limit to what you could do uh, the uh right the the side view mirror probably not going to be taken care of you'll have to do that that's fine it's just one of those things in life part of the uh, dukkha side view mirror dukkha uh and once again, like I was saying to Penelope, you could and you did help her and it could come from a clear place or it could come from that old place. And so it's not just the action. It's who's doing it and you could feel yourself tangled in the old. But there's there's some ways in which you could be generous and know what your limit is. You do your best, but also realize your the other thing we have to practice with is our uh, helplessness. And our impotence. That's a hard one. And in the yes. face of some of the losses that we've had recently uh, in some of our Sangha family members, shocking, unexpected losses, uh, we, we deal deeply and profoundly with our helplessness and our impotence. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. that in many practice areas of convergence for you, I can see. Yeah, and I... There's, there's nothing I could do to take care of her or my mother that would be providing me. And here's where the refugees came and with what the Sangha and Buddha and Dharma is giving me. So yeah, good. And this is an ongoing discernment. So you're, this is a practice edge. I'm glad you're bringing it up because everyone has areas like this where uh, you're trying to find the center-ish way, the middle way. So thank you. Yeah. And thank you for being so um, tender in your body about it all. Thanks for listening. Thank you, everybody. As we sit for a while together, do you feel all the currents of life energy, the things you want to lean into. Should I do something? Should I ask something? Should something be done? Things that you lean away from, discomfort, uh, feeling uncomfortable and ill at ease. Bridget? There you go. There we go.
what if you feel stuck when you talk in that in the conditioning where in other words i've i've shown a light on the fact that i've been doing some things probably out of that old conditioning to feel affirmed and and i'm now pretty much utterly exhausted from it and and yet i feel a sense of obligation to finish it um i'd like some guidance on how to i mean i'm I'm asking for help from others, but I, I just don't understand where my practice edge is to to relinquish. Um, well, I'm not I'm not quite clear what what you're asking. There's I know you're talking about being stuck somewhere and not sure how to proceed, but I don't I'm not sure. You don't have to go into all the details, but what's the context? What's the actual question? Well, I've been. Been helping on this preschool church project, and it's continued to go on, and there are delays with the city, and so I realized, you know, there was a part of me that probably volunteered to do this to satiate my desire to be useful and wanted and needed, but mm -hmm. now it's it's just gotten so prolonged, and there are further delays, and so when you talked about that, then then in practice there's, you know, not striving, but that we can that striving is is a possibly the you know the a busyness and and i'm not striving in practice no but not but trying to to do things that meet some other need for being affirmed or appreciated or um well, all of these practices are so that we can meet life as it is mm -hmm. so as you sit and we talk and you pay attention to your body what is it that you find as you reflect on this situation how, how is it are you feeling encouraged are you feeling weary or are you what's happening I'm feeling tense and weary and um that's that's it okay so that's your embodied reality at the moment that's what you're noticing when you practice meaning when you stop you get quiet and you turn toward yourself you don't get busy and you don't collapse you just notice here you feel weary and intense intense and tense in my neck and shoulders and body just in my muscles yeah and as you you're adjusting your posture now so as you reflect on just the present moment embodied experience that you're having and you're communicating it and you're and i'm reflecting it back to make sure i got it you know what are you noticing anything gets worse it's better it shift what happens well i'm breathing a little easier because i can admit this to you and and our common sangha okay so there's a little more breath flowing through the situation's the same right but there's a little more breath flowing through a little more space mm -hmm. okay And do you have a sense of what's needed for this weariness and this tension aside from connection, which you're doing and feeling a little, a little movement, a little breath, anything else being called for? Not at this very moment, if, um, but it's <laughs> kind of brighten up to re replicate this how do i 
go back to this because I, uh, well I, really what you're asking is how do you hold on to it oh and then that's the clinging well we we all do of course you would why wouldn't you that's normal uh and then to laugh at yourself okay. and know that what it requires is that return okay. always coming back okay. the, the title of my notes today was always returning okay you know and so i start with refuge always coming back since everything is impermanent and interdependent and there's dissatisfaction woven through all of it we're going to have to continue there's not a steady place we're going to reach but even in the midst of everything being exactly the same, you were able to breathe easier, you brightened up a little bit, you had a little less, and you'll decide what to do. You'll continue with the project, you'll back off, you'll hand over some things, you'll feel better and you'll plunge back in. I don't know. You have lots of options, but that's not really, really the fundamental thing. You'll decide something. But it's coming back to yourself and coming back to the moment and coming back to your breath and coming back to ease and coming back to relations that are around you, which help you move through whatever you decide. All right. And right now you're remembering that, which is what I was saying, practically it helps us remember. Right. Like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's that's what we're doing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then if there's somebody else, like, you know, you're close to Sandra, you're close to many people. And the Sangha called them up and said, now, what helped me? What was, <laughs> what did they say? <laughs> and that's taking refuge in Sangha, you know. Good. Because we need to remind each other. Or there may be, you know, if I was there, I might say, oh, well, I have no idea what to do. Let's take a walk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just take a walk. And maybe it'll be different when we finish the walk, you know. Not because the world will have changed dramatically, but. have it yeah i see that it's to the end of our time and these have been such good questions and i wanted to end with a different verse also um, <clears throat> and i wanted to uh, complete with the vow that carries us forward into life with these kinds of practices um, so i'll share that and we'll say it together as we complete and then jessica will um, come back to us here. So we'll we'll say the Bodhisattva vow together. Beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to embody it. Beings are numberless. We vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. We vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. We vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. We vow to embody it. Beings are numberless. This vow frees them all. Delusions are inexhaustible. This vow ends them all. Dharma gates are boundless. This vow enters them all. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. This vow embodies it. Thank you so much.
for your time and your attention and for your presence this day, which is the one that we have right now. I have an immense gratitude for all of you and are blessed by your presence. Thank you. Appamata's programs and facilities are made possible through your support. And thank you all so much for your generosity. Um, if you'd like to make a contribution, you can do so on the website and I'll put that in the chat. Um, and then if you have a few moments to stay after and um, meet some others in the Sangha, feel free to stay here on, the, on this Zoom meeting and um, Maria will facilitate that discussion. Thank you.